Your Fables, a podcast where two lifelong friends and totally obsessed business nerds discuss all things leadership. I'm your host, Casey Clark, and I'm joined by my good friend, Jacob Evans, who just got back from Puerto Rico and brought the typhoid fever with him. Jacob, are you going to infect all of us on this podcast? I can't because you all are virtual, but just full disclosure, I am high right now on DayQuil. So oh, nice. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. This is going to be fun. So we could, uh, we're could we going to save all of the recording information <laughs> and be able to play it back later uh, and see if we get some uh, weird takes from uh, Jacob today. This might be the best episode yet. It might actually be the best episode because we, we're going to try something a little different. Now, each time we've brought a fable uh, where you've heard about Anne and the kingdom, and today we actually have a real leader, a real fable that we are going to uh, talk about through a person's career. So we're going to do this for the next couple of weeks. And both Jacob and I picked some of our very favorite middle managers to interview to give their perspective on what we've been talking about this season. So today I'm excited because our guest is Margaret Simonis, and she is the Director of Business Programs at Western Governors University. And if you know, that's where I work. Margaret is my counterpart, uh, my partner in crime in, in all that we do and is just a terrific leader. So welcome to the podcast, Margaret. Thank you. Thanks for the great introduction. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I, I feel like usually in meetings, I'm not giving a nice introduction of you. I'm giving like a no. negative. No, just kidding. This, this is rare, so it's nice. <laughs> well, we have it on tape. We have it on tape. Yeah. So, it, and the internet is permanent ink, so you can come back and listen to this anytime when I, you need a good I interruption. Will. We can also edit it out, right? Like that's the other part that we could do. But when when I was thinking of who I wanted to invite uh, to this to do the recording, Margaret was the first name that came to mind, and I had just read this study by Gallup. It was completed in 2018. And it had this finding, they did all these surveys, you know, as Gallup tends to do, and it found that uh, team members who can identify a best friend at work are much higher performers. So, Jacob, have you heard of this study? I have. Uh, yeah, I, I have. And I, I think my sort of anecdotal experience suggests that that is true. Yeah. So let me give you some of the, the findings then. It said it, it employees... Uh, who can identify a best friend at work are twice as likely to be engaged in their jobs, better at engaging customers, uh, produce higher quality work, have a greater sense of well-being, and less likely to get injured on the job. So I don't know how I'd get injured on my job, but I guess it could be possible. RSI, I don't know. Casey, RSI. But I will say that Margaret is my best friend at work. Like we have worked together for a really long time and I, I actually worked for Margaret for a while and now working as a peer, she still thinks I work for her, but I have to tell her regularly I don't. Um, but anyway, I wanted to bring Margaret uh, on today. So Margaret, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about uh, yourself and your experience leading teams. Yeah. So Margaret Simonis, I live in Pittsburgh, a great city. Um, I have two daughters, married, and I'm a runner. I love everything outdoors and big into health and wellness. To do all those things, um, I do have to work. So I'm a, a director of business programs, like Casey said, for Western Governors University. 
And I've actually had experience leading teams since I was thinking back since 2004. So it's been a while. I've been in some sort of leadership role for the most part since then. That's awesome. Now, one thing you got to know about Margaret is everything is a running analogy. So, and, and when she brings up running, I will automatically roll my eyes, even if I haven't thought of it, but she is great at making every leadership, uh, insight connect to running. So what's, what's your favorite running leadership principle, Margaret? Oh gosh, it's probably everything Casey knows is about the marathon. You know, you can, you can translate any situation into a marathon and different parts of the marathon and sprint to the finish and all of that. So it's probably something to do with those struggles and trying again and again. I think running teaches you perseverance for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That one, my favorite tip that Margaret gave me, because she thinks I want to become a runner, even though I regularly tell her I don't want to be a runner, is that if you, anything you want to get done in the day, you got to do first thing in the morning. Like if, if you try to do it later in the day, it's just not going to happen. So that is a leadership uh, principle I've, I've picked up from Margaret. So Jacob, let's just kind of go back and forth on uh, some questions here for Margaret. We'll kind of uh, pick her brain and uh, and, and hear about Margaret's career and her leadership style. So Margaret, why don't you kick us off with what's your favorite part about being a leader, your favorite aspect of leadership? I would say it's gotta be the, there's always a challenge, right? So as much as it's easy sometimes to say, you know, this is tough, this is going to be hard to solve. I love problem solving. So I think what I, I love most about being a leader is that you're helping others to solve those things. You're seeing your team navigate challenges together. You're seeing your team members grow and be able to take on new things and be able to do more than they could do two months ago, six months ago, one year ago. Um, most of my roles have been long-term, so I really get to see people develop over a long period of time. And that's what is the most fun about it. Yeah, I've uh, I've really enjoyed sort of the coaching aspects of leadership. I think that's that's a really rewarding sort of feature, I guess, of leading teams. So, Margaret, could you tell us about a time? Now, we wouldn't be called Leader Fables. Like, we wouldn't it wouldn't be a Leader Fables episode if we didn't tell a story. So, I'm wondering if you could tell us a story about a time when your leadership was tested. Yeah. When you're like, a, I just want to give up this thing called team leadership. Like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, we'd love to hear about that. Oh, there's, I mean, I have multiple stories I could tell, but <laughs> I can think of, um, you know, the situations that I feel like I've been tested the most have been during times of, the, of significant change or when there's new roles in play or even when I've moved into a new role. And so specifically, I can think of a situation where I had a couple of um, newer leaders reporting to me. Um, their roles were new, and so I was also into a new role. And um, one of the things that was tricky about that was around the dynamic shifting, because I had team members who had previously reported directly to me who were now reporting um, to these leaders um, that were reporting to me instead. And so 
it created what I've called have called since then and even coached some of my team members on is around it felt like a co-manager dynamic. <laughs> like they were both reporting to me, reporting to somebody else, and even coming to me and saying, I heard from so and so that you want this to happen. You know, Margaret says this needs to happen. And sometimes those things would be, no, that that is not what I said. Or sometimes there would be it some truth in it, but it would just be perhaps not having the nuance that I would use or even the direction coming in a way that that wasn't the way I would do it. And Casey can either attest to this or perhaps say, no, that's not how she is. But I tend to be a leader who, regardless of what's going on, I really look at myself as I can be calm and provide kind of that voice of reason. I'm not someone who gets frantic when there's an urgent situation. And so I felt like that that was impacting me when some of those things were said because that's not how I would portray it. So some of that would lead into coaching where, again, another favorite term I have is around borrowing authority because that's where I see an issue come up a lot with managers is when they use their leader or even maybe another leader in the organization as this is coming from that person, it really diminishes their credibility. And I think also makes you question, do you really need those those roles? Because if it's just to be a messenger, I can send that message. I can say that. And so I think that those were times where I felt tested and like, this is complicated and trying to like fix those dynamics. That's not an easy, oh, we'll just put this into place or that into place. That's like a lot of different people that part of it is adjusting to change. And some of it is trying to, to navigate that new space and figure out like what really works and what doesn't. So what advice would you give to people in that situation that may be moving into a new role where you're going to have new direct reports and kind of the same indirect reports? Like how would you, like looking back on that, how would you better navigate a transition like that? So one, I would always make sure there's very clear definition of what's different, who's responsible for what. Don't ever go into that with a gray area there. It just I've I've encountered it many times because throughout my career, I've always worked at growing organizations. So I don't know if that's been luck or intentional, but it has been something that I've seen throughout the course of my career. And I've never seen it work well when it's like, we'll just figure it out as we go, because bringing in those new people, it's really not fair to them. The other thing I would say, though, is like you cannot be afraid to say my decision wasn't right. It didn't work. And I think too many people get really, really stuck on. I made that call. Uh, I made this decision. So it's right. Instead of saying maybe with what you knew at the time it was or maybe you just made a bad decision because we've all been there. Be willing to admit when you make a mistake and when, especially again, when things are growing, sometimes you have to cut your losses and say what needs to be different now and just be flexible and not rigid in what the original plan was. Yeah, I have a couple examples of uh, Margaret's leadership in, in these areas. Uh, so when I worked for her, I remember one time there was this uh, messaging that needed to be cascaded. So you know, Margaret was the director, I was the senior manager. And so she 
was like, hey, can you get this out to your teams? And I was like, sure, forward to my team, right? Like, uh, and I remember getting a note back from her. Do you think this is the best way for you to communicate this? And, and it was like, mm, probably not. I probably should have like, you know, borrowed her leadership, like she was saying, or borrowed, borrowed her. What, how did you put that? I really like how I you say borrowing that. authority, borrowing which is, authority. is, and again, like for me, it's like you do that sparingly. If you're going to use your leader or somebody else in the organization, don't tie it to them unless you really, really need to, because you yeah. can only use that card so often. Otherwise the team becomes all you're doing is messaging what somebody else wants you to do. And especially in case you knows, I have a unique style that's all my own. So sometimes I'll hear things from a leader and I think, yeah, they said that word for word and that's not gonna sound genuine from them because <laughs> that's not that's not their take. Yeah, you kind of got to own it. It's funny when people have come to me and said, well, the big kahuna, they want it this way. And I, I tend to be a little more assertive. I say, oh, that's interesting. I'd go talk to the big kahuna and see if that's actually how they wanted it. And the, um, you know, and sometimes it was right. Sometimes it was wrong. That's neither here nor there. I think the opportunity for leaders, as, as you kind of said, Margaret, is to kind of own the decision. And um, when you do that, you're going to lead more effectively, I think, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. I, the other thing that when you were talking about that prompted me is uh, that I appreciate about Margaret's leadership is she's never afraid of her team being the star uh, of it. And, and I'll say this is something I'm not great at. Sometimes I get excited and then I'm like, eh, I want to communicate it, you know, and, and Margaret is very good at pausing and letting her team be the stars or like her team take the victory lap or the celebration. Um, that's something. And Margaret, I don't know, is that cognizant for you or is that just like inherent in who you are? It's somewhat that I'm thinking through that for sure. It's also in part, I would say, I don't want to be the star. <laughs> that's my personality. So that's a little bit easier for me to take that step back. But I do think a lot about that because I think that bothers a lot of people. And I know I've experienced myself, right? When you feel like you didn't get the credit or you didn't get the chance to explain something. And I never want to be that leader. And I'm sure I've done it, right? I'm sure I've stepped on people's toes. But I do think about that because it's something throughout my career I've observed either from myself or others where they have felt hurt or not happy when they didn't get the chance to do that. Yeah, I think that's such a good tip. And I think for some folks, when they're stepping into, if it's your first opportunity into leadership, the idea of being the person on the stage is not always an appealing one, right? There's personality types that are more gregarious and outgoing who enjoy that. I, I think that's kind of my personality and why Margaret and I work really well together. She's always like, yeah, you go ahead, you know, with this, or I'm like, you go ahead with this different aspect uh, of it. But, you know, that you don't have to be a game show host. You don't have to be, you know, the president giving the state of the union, you know, in leadership. I think most people appreciate more the authentic communication and just knowing you're for them um, is more important. So I just, I, I always appreciated that about your leadership, Margaret. And I, I think it would help, it would comfort people to know that, um, and, and don't get me wrong, Margaret's a really great presenter. She's probably one of the best presenters of like data, a story with data that I've that I've ever heard, which I actually want to ask you about, Margaret. Um, but she also is very comfortable 
uh, letting her team shine. So anyway, that's uh, a compliment there. Oh, it felt weird coming yeah, out a compliment. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, I, I think you have let's to move be on. yourself for sure. <laughs> uh, otherwise it doesn't ring true. So yeah. Could we dive into that topic of, uh, I know in a lot of our roles, there are times where we need to present what's happening on our teams and explain and use data to back up our argument. And I know this wasn't a question we set you ahead of time. So we're a little off script here, but I think that's the best moments. How do, how do you do that? How do you frame uh, an art, you know, an argument or how do you use data to back up a point that you're trying to make? Yeah, I think for me, the first thing I always ask is someone who didn't know anything about the situation, what would make them believe that this is the case? How can I explain this in a way that you don't have to have that context? You don't have to know everything about the business or the the department or the situation at hand. And um, I also think about like what's really critical to know and what's not. So, but I guess probably the, you know, the advice I've given some of my team members has always been, if you know your stuff, that will come through. Like, don't try to over script things. Be confident that you know what's going on. And that kind of paves the way. And I can say like, I'm not, the expert and how to manipulate Excel and (laughs) some of these reports, but I know how to simplify it because I, I want it that way. So I also think about like, what would resonate for me? It's not going to be a bunch of charts or information that I don't need to know. It's a keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. Your audience is usually about half as interested as you are in the data. So like Margaret's really good at not overwhelming with data, but using data to support, you know, the main points. So I'm going to transition and and talk about one-on-ones because on this podcast, Jacob gives me a constant rivet about my one-on-one skills and the fact that I cancel about 75%. No, I've I've gotten a lot better thanks to Jacob's coaching, but I always felt like, uh, Margaret, you're really good at one-on-ones. She never cancels one-on-ones. She always makes them them work. Uh, do you have any tips or like favorite prompts or questions you use for one-on-ones? Sure. So I, I look at one-on-ones, I don't know, maybe a little bit differently than some do because I like it to be driven more by the person I'm meeting with, not my agenda. So I'm not really a big fan, and this probably, you know, in a leadership book or context would say, like, you're supposed to have an agenda and all of those things, but I'm not a huge fan of that. I want to make sure we're discussing things that we can't really discuss adequately via email or text and get into the conversations that will really help that person and help me. So... I try to think of things that will prompt discussion around. Perhaps I got an email that week from one of my team members that I'm not sure I quite disagree or quite agree with the reasoning or I want to know more. We might talk about that, but I'll ask questions around what are the challenges you're encountering this week or take me through your thought process on this, why you made the decision that you did. Because even if I don't agree with that, I think if I can understand what they're thinking and then I can give some context on what I'm thinking, that leads to some of the best discussions because 
I can understand then what the perspective is. So it's more, it's going to look different every time. It looks different with every team member, what we're talking about, but I do try not to ever cancel them. And it does happen, but to me, it's prioritized because that's the only time you can really get into those types of things that you're just, you're never going to be on the same page with an email and then leave the updates. Don't, I don't like to use a one-on-one for that. I can get an email on the updates or I can look at a project plan. We don't have to discuss that unless it's something that is an issue. Yeah. Keep those one-on-ones. That's, that's a, that, that's a great tip. <laughs> <laughs> and let, let the individual you're meeting with kind of drive the discussion. I, I think that's a really uh, good I like way. that too. Cause it kind of lowers the bar in your preparation. I, I think I still have a lot of work to do here cause I'll go into a one-on-one with a full agenda uh, and then, you know, be like, okay, and what do you have? We have 30 seconds left. What, what, what do you have to bring up? So <laughs> I like that approach of like, if, this if is you go time. into it without it, usually everything you would have covered will be covered. Ooh, that's a good test for people like me that are like struggling to give up control of the agenda is like, test yourself, see what comes up. What does it, you know, that yeah. that's a good tip. Very cool. Is there, are there any questions speaking of one-on-ones? Are there any questions that you like to ask of the person you report to, your leader, uh, when in a one-on-one? Assuming that they didn't cancel it, we'll assume that. <laughs> are there uh, are there questions that uh, that? And, and it's funny. I'll just kind of riff on this a little bit. Uh, I I found this to be true of myself, and people have told me this is true of them. Like, if you're the person, if you're the the contributor meeting with a leader you're normally always looking forward to the one-on-one. Now, the leader, <laughs> like guys like me and Casey and Margaret, we're not always looking forward to the one-on-one. And But <laughs> on the reverse side, like I found that I regularly looked forward to the one-on-ones with my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they probably didn't look forward to one-on-ones with me. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a – I think it's a good reminder to say, you know, to, to think about that. People do look forward to these meetings, um, you know, with, with, with their boss, with their leader. Um, so yeah. speaking of that, like, are there any, uh, questions or tips that you would give folks that are meeting with their leader regularly? Yeah, I, well, I think that's a great point. Cause I, I look forward to those times because we're all busy, right? So some of those moments are few and far between. I like to always ask about prioritization cause that's always just a check and balance for me that where I'm putting my time is really where it's needed Um, I also, similar to the one-on-ones I have, I like to bring up my thinking around a challenge because, again, I find that that's the best time to get some feedback and to, you know, grow in terms of approach and to even just talk through some of the dynamics, some of the challenges that I'm having, um, perhaps working through, you know, a difficult project or a difficult task. We tend, you know, we tend to work with a lot of people here, right? Just like any organization now where it's never going to be one or two people. And so to just to kind of talk through those dynamics, I think can be really helpful. But again, I, I tend to do the same thing. I don't really like to bring up, let me give you the list of things I'm working on. It's more, let me tell you how I'm feeling about this, my thinking behind this. These are the challenging things that I'm not going to send you via email because they're sensitive topics. That's what I tend to try to use my one-on-ones with my boss for. I think that's great advice. And you've had uh, the same boss for a really long time, right? Like senior leader. I've how lost long have, track. 
<laughs> how long i i'm just wondering if like your one-on-ones have changed over time from and and i, I cuz i i do think like as you develop a relationship with your direct leader the level of vulnerability the level of openness that how have you seen that progress cuz I, I it's as long as i've worked with you which is like 7 years you've worked for the same person yeah. right Yeah, even though like our roles have both changed, we've somehow been able to stay connected, which has been awesome. Yeah, I would say that there's a comfort there, right, that you really can, until you've worked with somebody for a long time, and you've been through multiple even life events together, right, then there's a certain level of trust, and there's no hiding things, right? Because I know them too well, they know me too well, it's, (laughs) you know, we have a very honest, open relationship, but I also think there's a level of trust there too, that like, I don't connect as often as I did initially. And I think that would be pretty normal because once you build that relationship, there's a level of trust to be more hands off and just that comfort level to bring up the things that really matter and know that, Hey, we don't have to talk through all of the little details that a lot of times when you're first getting to know a boss, you feel like you do need to talk through because you're proving yourself. You want to keep them informed. Yeah, that's terrific. A couple other things about your leadership, Margaret, that I think listeners would really uh, latch on to. You are the most organized person I have ever met in my life in it's infuriating to me because you also are like the most low tech person. So what are, what are the, and and I'm not kidding you guys, there are probably 40 to 50 projects Margaret is running at any time with an organization of 500 plus, I think like, I mean, Margaret's role is very complex. Like how do you keep organized and keep things straight and work off one monitor? Margaret works off one monitor, Jacob. I, I thought I would just, Throw that in. Here. I know. I know. <laughs> Jacob's That's a eyes big just bugged out on the screen here yeah. uh, because I think I'm the only person, maybe, that is still doing that. But I prefer where I can just literally take that laptop, move it to another room. I'm not going to have you know another monitor hindering that. But I think for me, yeah, I think I'm a good use case that you don't need to use tech to stay <laughs> organized. Uh, I, you know, I think you use what works for you, though, because, again, it's just like to me, the way that you lead has to be there's lots of different ways to do it. Well, it has to be natural, though, to what you like. So if you are a big tech person, there's probably some tech ways to do it. But for me, it's literally just keeping lists of these are the priorities. I keep a lot of email folders. I have a folder on every topic. So it's very easy for me to quickly find if somebody has a question or if I can't remember the date for something. And I'm a big, I take notes on everything, no matter how big or small, because there's no way I can remember it if I don't. And I think that's the mistake a lot of people make. So handwritten notes or like you're typing up notes, like how do you take them? Well, it's a mix. So a lot of times if I'm, if I'm needing to really focus, I will be taking handwritten notes, but then I immediately type them afterwards because there's no way I'm going to find it afterwards. if I just keep it on paper. So if it's something where it's a little bit more simple, it's easy to follow. I might even take them as I go. I take a lot of screenshots. I never rely on other people's notes. So 
So even if, even if I know I'm getting notes after a meeting, I want it in my own words. Yeah, I just I want to give people like an example of this. So I was looking at uh, we have a we use Microsoft Teams where we work and I have a chat thread with Margaret that I think I send her 45 messages a day. And I was building this model kind of last minute right before this call. And I was like, hey, Margaret, for this certain project, do you know the time commitment per person? And I asked it at 1.29 p.m. At 1.30 p.m., you told me the exact time commitment uh, of each of these people. Then I calculated the math wrong and you corrected me, uh, sent me a screenshot of the presentation where we were briefed on this. Like, so I get like, do what works for you, but um, do you organize it at the end of the day? Do you just like organize it as you go? Like, I really want some, some practical tips here. I do organize as I go. And by the way, I did question on the math because usually I get the math wrong. So <laughs> wait a minute. I, I, I had to recalculate three times. So I was like, I don't know where he got that number. Um, but I do. Yeah, I think waiting till the end of the day is a mistake because you just won't remember. A, a day is long. You have mm -hmm. there's too many, especially for us. We have so many meetings. Um, you've got to do it right away afterwards. And I, I just know exactly where my, for my system, I know exactly where I will be able to find it afterwards. So it's, it's literally, I, I think I probably have a thousand different folders of where I keep things by topic. Wow. Yeah. And that's how I find it quickly. So Jacob's a productivity nerd, note-taking nerd. Jacob, tell her everything wrong with that approach and then be baffled that it works perfectly. Like, no, uh, I'm uh I'm impressed. Like and I I agree with the I agree with the the thought that we all need to kind of figure out what works for us because you can have the perfect productivity system, but if you don't work it, like it does you no good, right? Right. So I I think that that is really good advice. Um but in order to typically come up with a good productivity system, you have to experiment and kind of figure out what's going to work for you. And that can take some time. So I'm curious, Margaret, you mentioned that you take a bunch of notes, you make lists. My problem is I make lists and I also take notes, but for whatever reason, those things don't get reviewed regularly. So they become stale very fast. So I'm wondering, do you have any tips on how to kind of stay on top of your notes, how to stay on top of your lists so that they work for us, so that we we get the benefits of the note taking or the list making. Yeah. So another thing I would probably say I do a lot of that I don't even think about it anymore, I guess, right? Because it's so ingrained. This is just how I work. But I put everything on my calendar at um, times I don't work. Not because I'm going to go in there, right, and work at that time, but like they're just like, okay, a month from now, I should follow up on this. So I'll put that on my calendar and I'll put it so that it's not blocking out, you know, normal business times. And that way I don't have to worry that I'm going to forget. It'll be on my calendar. I'll even make some of those things recurring if I know they're going to keep coming up. So whatever time frame I think I need to follow up on this in, it'll end up on my calendar. So I do use my calendar a lot. It's not just for meetings. It's for everything that I need to know to remember. That's great. So you kind of have a system of putting tasks, follow-ups on your calendar that you, and I imagine you do that kind of immediately. Like as soon as you know I you do. need to follow up, 
they get on the calendar and that way you yeah. don't miss it. Right. Yep. And every day I'm doing that because there's always something right that, you know, you need to follow up on. And then I also, I want to make it easy for myself. I don't want to have to go digging. So like in there, I will put, this is the link I need to look at that, you know, I'll, I bookmark some things, but I don't bookmark everything. So you can't find anything. So I'll just put the link in there and then I know it's easy to find or, or I'll even put a note in there for myself. I was thinking about this. Is this still the case? Look at it two weeks later. Yeah. So smart. And, uh, and, and most people who told me that was their system, I'd be like, you're, I, I don't think it works. And I just want to tell you 1000% Margaret's the most organized person, uh, I've ever met. And it's, it's a joke even like if you can't find an email, um, call Margaret. And I even set a goal this year to ask Margaret less for like links to different project plans and uh, different things. So how, how am I doing on that goal, Margaret? I think I, mean, I'm I was going to say there have been a couple of times now that you've beat me with finding That's things right. and you have had to send me a couple links. So, I mean, you're making progress. I still would say it's like 80, 20 <laughs> though. Yeah, I'm still development needed in my, Margaret doesn't write my reviews anymore, but she tries. Uh, she sends me unsolicited reviews. Uh, That's great. That, 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 that's a sign that you've got a good friend. That's right, right? That's what makes yeah. friends at work. Okay, I want to tease out a couple other things, and these are not on the list of questions we sent you, and tough. You'll just have to, you'll just have to deal with it. But um, I think outside of like this tremendous load that you carry at work and this huge organization that you lead, uh, that you've led for such a long time, Margaret's also a terrific mom and she told me about a cool field trip this week she did with one of her one of her daughters. She watches every Bravo show that is on TV. We make fun of this all the time. She tries to talk to me about real housewives of Salt Lake that I've never seen because I live in Salt Lake. But so Margaret, like walk us through your routines and like how do you shut it down to recharge? Cause you always have like such a high energy when you when you come to work, even if there's a thousand things going on, like maybe walk us through some of your routines and habits. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. So I think one, um, I always have looked at it as like, you can be great at a few things, but you can't be great at everything. So don't try to take on more than what you really think you can handle. So I would say like, number one, I don't think I probably have as many, things going on despite the Bravo show watching as other people, because I am mindful about these are the things that are really most critical to me and that's it. I'm not going to do the other things. So that mm. that's the biggest thing I would say would be, you've got to decide what's important. You got to be willing to cut some things personally and professionally to make that happen um, I also I, I have given this advice to many. I think like it doesn't have to be running, but you got to do something in the morning in the day to just get yourself going, because especially for those of us working remotely, it is way too easy to just get up and start working. I have about three hours in the morning before I'm doing anything work related, except if case Casey will send messages early. But otherwise, it's. Yeah. Oh, so I'm not the only one. That's great to know. <laughs> well, and she's two hours yeah. ahead of me. So it's early. It's, Her time is like way early, but I'm yeah. an early bird. So that Margaret's routine, right. Of yeah. like that, that helps me then when I get the day started, like I, I have my workout done, I've taken my youngest to the bus stop. I'm ready to go. 
um, building some breaks in there and, you know, just making, I, I know what makes me, um, have, you know, re-energize and I just make sure that that's something that's happening each day. So being mindful of the amount of time I'm spending on each thing is another thing that's really important for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll give one more caveat to that. And Dick, Bob, I promise I'll let you ask another question uh, maybe by the end of this. The other thing that I think Margaret does well and connects to this is she doesn't over care. If I can present that correctly, like it doesn't seem to me like you obsess about decisions. You don't like I, I read this this book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a uh, Expletive. Uh, and, and when I, the whole time I was reading it, I was like, this is Margaret. And I actually asked Margaret to like mentor me in this because I will like obsess about something that doesn't matter. So I guess my question, is that a cognizant decision or are you just wired that way? Or like, has that contributed to your longevity? The fact that you don't like, you know, same problem is going to pop up later, right? Like you, you don't overreact, I guess. And maybe that's to yeah, that. I, I, a lot of it earlier. is, um, I think you know, I am intentional about it, but I, I do think to some degree I'm wired that way. I've been told, you know, my whole life, wow, you, you, you stay calm under pressure. Um, I've been, you know, a go-to in the past, even with, you know, emergency situations, just because of the way I tend to react or not react. But I also, um, it's, it is something that I, th I think you can kind of train yourself on. And then for me, I've even from pretty young, I really wanted to feel like, hey, I was able to build the life I want, all the things I want to do with travel and family. And I don't want my identity to be defined by my job. And it's not that I don't care about that job. And it's not that I don't do hard work. Mm -hmm. But I never wanted to be somebody where, oh, the, her job is her identity. That's what we know that person for. To me, it's just a means for being able to do those things in life. So that was that was very early on where I thought that way. And it felt different than a lot of people because, you know, when you're younger, right, you're just talking about what I want to do when I grow up. And I that wasn't in my mind. It was more the other things I wanted. I knew I wanted to be a mom, knew I wanted to travel a lot, knew I wanted to live multiple places, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do for work. So I think that's a little bit of where that came from. Mm. I, I just like everyone should hit back 30 seconds and listen to that again about identity and work being a, a means to an end because Margaret is very accomplished. Uh, it's not like because of that attitude, you didn't get promoted or, you know, don't have this huge pressure and, and, you know, this amazing impact you get to make through your work, but you also didn't have to sacrifice the rest of your life to do it. I, <laughs> man, I, I, I'm going to go listen to that again and, and uh, soak that up because I thought that that's such good advice. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. And that's advice I wish I just quite frankly, I wish I had taken earlier on in my career. I, I hate to admit it, but there's a number of like family vacations or outings that I put on hold because I was so invested in my work. And now looking back, did those times that I was at work instead of at the family thing or on the trip, 
did it matter? Was I able to move the needle in those situations? The answer is no, I wasn't like, it didn't matter that much. <laughs> and, uh, I really wish, <laughs> I really wish I went on the trip. I really wish I spent the time with my family. And, uh, I think that's really good advice. It's hard to see that when you're in the situation, when you're in the moment, but, uh, to your point, Margaret, by having your priorities straight and keeping those top of mind, I, I think is really powerful. Well, and I'm sure well, I'm sure you both have heard the, will it matter in 10 minutes, 10 months, 10 years? It's, I, it feels oversimplified sometimes, but when I do struggle, like, well, what, what should I do here? I like that context because sometimes it tells you then what your answer should be. Oh, that's so good. Margaret's also the uh, queen of like challenges. Like, do you want to talk about your visiting all 50 states? Well, and, like, you know, the I love you do like that. Because yeah. I know you would so, do our travel. Yeah, I've, and yeah. that's the other thing. I, I have a lot of personal goals that are, for other people, probably not important at all. They just are random things I want to do. So one of them was around, I wanted to visit all 50 states. And I was hoping to do that by the time I was 40. I didn't quite make it, but it was pretty close. Um due to the pandemic in part, but uh, I did visit Alaska last mm-hmm. summer and that was my 50th state. So nice. My rule is you have to at least eat a meal in the state. So, you know, again, these are just self-driven <laughs> things. Didn't you eat like uh like truck it stop was McDonald's hot dog in Wyoming case, or something? But, so you know, you I made it back that, to like... Wyoming though after that. <laughs> so like that was the first visit was a McDonald's visit. Okay. I did end up going, you know, to the national park. So I made it back. There goes our Wyoming viewership. Uh thanks a lot, Margaret. Like now we're uh, I think we can blame dead. Casey actually. <laughs> yeah, that's so right. I'm, I'm putting that on you, man. All right. So last question, Margaret. Last question. One of the things that Casey and I have talked about a number of times, I think, on the show is our sort of strategies or thoughts on celebration and celebrating times when our teams have done amazing work. So I'm wondering, for our listeners, can you tell us about your favorite uh, way to celebrate yeah. a success? I love that question because that's actually something I always think I need to do better in, right, is to just make sure that celebrating, especially the smaller things along the way, sometimes I'll get caught up in until, you know, we accomplish it, but there's always something to celebrate. But I think for me, it's like celebrate it in the moment, celebrate it as soon as it happens. So even just sending messages or using, we have a tool, Motivosity here, um, to quickly recognize somebody because, I look at it as, for me, it's not about what you get, right? That tangible thing. It's more that someone noticed that work and said something about the work. And it's such a pick-me-up every time you see that, even if it's just somebody in passing saying, thank you for doing that. So I try to be mindful of that with my own team and just, I don't think you can over-celebrate. Like, I think a lot of people make it too complicated we need to come up with this or that system, but it's just a matter of like having prompts again, like my other reminders of let me make sure I'm recognizing people's work. And it picks me up every time that happens too. When I get a chance to congratulate somebody, I feel better about it. So it tends to be like this repetitive thing. Now I, now I need to go tell this person that. So I just try to keep it simple, ongoing, and as often as possible. That's great. That's great advice. 
Yeah, it's so terrific. just do it as often yeah, as you Yeah, don't, see because otherwise you're just going to wait forever yeah, and, and then the moment passes. Yeah. Margaret's also good at celebrating incremental success. It is, doesn't have to be like that we, you know, conquered the world. It can be like, we're better than we were last month. Like she's really good at reminding us of that. Even if there's a log road ahead, like, okay, stop. Let's just celebrate yes. that we moved an inch of the mile we need to go. That's great. Uh, we'll do that. Well, let's wrap this up. And I know Jacob said last question, so I'll call this a prompt. Last prompt, Margaret, like, for someone who is uh, new to middle management or is struggling in middle management, like what, what's the one piece of advice you'd want to leave them with today? Oh gosh, just always be willing to hear a different perspective, um, make a change, don't get caught up in being right and, you know, listen to understand and know that management isn't easy if it if it were, there'd be just an easy book for everybody to do, um, to read through. So, you know, my biggest advice is to be humble and understand that, you know, you're going to get it wrong sometimes. Be be willing to admit that when it happens and move on and give yourself some grace and your team some as well. Yeah, that's terrific. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I will now release the blackmail information I have that convinced <laughs> you to do this. Uh, I will say <laughs> I'll send it over to you. Uh, but we really enjoyed uh, the conversation. Thank you for listening to Leader Fables. Just a reminder uh, to leave us a review. And if you leave us a review on Apple iTunes and you send a screenshot of that review to info at leaderfables.com, or feedback at leaderfables.com. We are doing a special drawing where you will get, uh, one person will get a a response from our characters in the fable. So from Anne or from the King. So uh, please do that today. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Until then, lead on. Lead on.